Hey guys, welcome back. It's Holden and Mike, and Mike just got back from his hunt in Maine, so we're super excited to get into this podcast about it. This one is going to be a little different than the previous four. It's going to be kind of an outfitter spotlight or featuring the outfitter that, that Mike went on this bear hunt with. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So I was up in the northern Maine woods with Foggy Mountain Guide Service. Uh, Brandon Bishop's the owner and master guide up there. It's one of the longest standing uh, bear outfitters in the state of Maine. And the guy that founded it, they considered to be the dean of bear hunting in Maine or kind of the OG, as you might say. I mean, it was a good time. And we get into all things of, of how to get a bear tag, how to, how to know if a bear is a big bear, or a small bear, where to shoot it, shot placements, and just kind of the whole experience at camp and all the different services that they offer from from bear hunts in different parts of the state of Maine, from how they hunt with dogs, the moose hunts that they do, and, and some different things, and, and how he gets his family involved in all of that and the type of experience you might expect from there. So I'm excited for everybody to listen to that, and it was just a great time. Yeah, that's all. I'm, I'm excited to listen to it because obviously I wasn't there. But with Maine being so different than you know Georgia and Alabama that we usually hunt, is there anything that you brought up that was different from or new from yeah, what maybe, you usually maybe not different but a little bit new so when we recorded with mike austin over mm-hmm. at the treason headquarters i actually ordered a few things and picked it up there so they didn't have to ship it and i and i bought a few things that i took to maine one i needed a new safety harness the one i had was kind of old and um so i bought the late season pattern of the hunter safety systems which was just great you know i'm a junkie for good pockets and this thing actually had a lot of pockets on the harness it's got clips for your binos to be right on there so that was great it was super helpful on the stand there i bought the puffer jacket which i saw mike wearing this in south africa and i just mm-hmm. i fell in love with that jacket I didn't actually wear it in the woods because it wasn't super cold. I mostly wore the late season, the hoodie, and then the the cargo line pants. But um, I wore it around camp, and it was kind of my casual wear jacket. And my father-in-law actually left his backpack on the last day of the hunt, and it was supposed to get colder that night. And uh, he ended up wearing it and really liked it. So we'll have to see if it makes it on his Christmas list or not. (laughs) But the thing I was most excited about was the least expensive thing that I bought were the gloves. And these gloves, obviously, you know, I'm a, I've been cutting fingers off of gloves oh, yeah. for a decade, right? I always want my fingers and thumbs free. So these gloves were awesome. They're, they're thin enough to still be functional. They are structured in a way that allows you to still have mobility of your finger and of your thumb, whether I was shooting the bow with my, my thumb release or when I switched to the 300 on day four, it allowed me to still have my trigger finger active. So enjoy the gloves. It's, it was a, I mean, those things aren't that expensive and they're a great way to get into a treason product if you haven't used it in the past. So really excited about that. It all worked great. Had a great time. Spoiler alert, did not come back with a bear, but I still view this hunt as a success. Yeah, I'm super excited to listen to it, like I said. Um, But before we get started, uh, we do have some new exciting news. Uh, We have a new brand partnership with Dead End Game Calls. Anything from waterfowl to grunt tubes, turkey calls, predator calls, they have really cool swag and apparel as well. They gave us a 15% discount code for our listeners. That code is SEASON, S-E-E-Z-Y-N, just like how it's spelled in the podcast. The right way to spell SEASON. (laughs) So we're super excited about that. So if you need anything for hunting, please check them out. And then to follow us on social medias, uh, In Season Podcast is Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. uh, And make sure to leave a review of the podcast. 
Yeah, if you're on Apple or Spotify, please go leave a five-star review so more people can find us. And then just so you know right now, also, Treason is still, if you're not already a field staff member, Treason is open and accepting new field staff members right now. Get on, try the product. You won't regret it. I know neither of us do. And um, mm-hmm. to be a part of the Treason family and a part of the Treason community uh, and to wear some pretty awesome camo at the same time. Welcome to the In-Season Podcast, the hunting podcast that brings back the camaraderie of hunting, the campfire conversations about gear, tactics, hunting stories, big bucks, gobbling turkeys, and whatever else might be in season. Whether you're an avid bow hunter, a small game enthusiast, or trying to plan your next big hunting adventure, we are here for it. So let's go. Welcome back to the In-Season Podcast. I am here without Holden today. I am in the northern Maine woods with Brandon Bishop, the owner and master guide of Foggy Mountain Guide Service. We are, it is almost midnight on day five, the last day of the hunt, and I'm leaving at 5 a.m. to make a 24-hour drive back to Georgia. So, Brandon, appreciate you coming on and uh, and spending some time with us. So, uh, I got to hear a little bit about this story. You know, I I booked this trip for my father-in-law and brother-in-law a little over a year ago, and it's a pretty cool operation you have up here. And uh, I'm really interesting to know growing up what got you in to wanting to be a guide and then how it all turned into what I see here. Cause it's a pretty impressive operation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, ever since I was able to hunt, I, it was something I wanted to do and I was able to pursue my dreams and here I am. And how so. long, how long have you been a guide total? I have been a guide for, oh, 14 years, I guess. 14 years. Yeah. And how long have you, when did you take over kind of the ownership and of Foggy Mountain? Yeah, me and my wife, Becky, we bought that in uh, 2016 from uh, Wayne Boswick, um, you know, the dean of black bear hunting, as okay. he was known. Um, you know, Wayne started the business in uh, 1964, and at that point in time, uh, there wasn't even a season for bear. It was open season. and uh, Like year-round? Year-round. Okay. He, he actually, uh, he worked for the state you know going after nuisance bear and the problem bears he was traveling all over the state and uh you know bear was his favorite animal you know they were just a unique creature compared to everything else and over time seasons got put on them and here we are today yeah that's pretty incredible so coming in here we had to pass a checkpoint into the northern main woods but you you essentially have bear rights Almost all the way to Canada, because we're we're really close to the Canadian border. Yep, that is correct. We do go right over and right, right you know right to the border of uh, Canada. Um, we actually have a few baits that are within 500 yards of the border. So that's wild. Um, it that's is. Wild. It is. So walk me through a little bit. You know, I'm only here at this at this camp. You have multiple camps. There's multiple different seasons. Walk me through kind of the whole the whole story of everything that you offer and where the camps are and what the difference is and some of the different seasons and the way people can hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So we specialize in the bear hunt. That's what we, we've uh, always been known for. We have our Highlands region, which is, uh, you know, it's more private accommodations. You'd have your own cabin to yourself. They're all fully furnished and you just, you know, you bring and provide your own food, you know, and, and then up here um, at, our, at our main lodge up here, you know, everything's included, meals, lodging, and uh, I can assure you if you go home hungry, it's your own fault. <laughs> I'll tell you, this, uh, this camp, uh, you talk about some of the private cabins and, and a little more kind of ex- not exclusive, but like limited to your group. This was really cool because there's 
25 people or so at camp, yep. right? Yep. And I met people from Michigan. There's someone that grew up in the town that I lived in in North Carolina for eight years. And uh, there is a lot of kind of camaraderie here. And I'm leaving here with a bunch more friendships and a lot of people that I didn't know before that I'll hopefully come back with in the future. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, really, it's a really cool vibe. It is. I mean, we have people from, from not only all over the United States, but all over the world. I mean, we've had, uh, you know, hunters from Australia, Brazil, Ukraine. I mean, all over. So when I was looking to go on a bear hunt, something my father-in-law always wanted to do, and, and we got a chance to schedule this, I was looking at the kind of the way you get tags, right? So Maine is, is pretty easy. It's over-the-counter tag, and you can hunt with pretty much any weapon, and there's just different, and it's like a, I don't know, permits or different licenses and different fees, whether you want to use a handgun, a crossbow, archery, or or rifle. Yes, that is correct. Everything's all over-the-counter up here. Um, you can actually buy your licenses uh, right online. It's it's relatively easy. There's no no draws, no nothing like that. And uh, you know when you want to come bear hunt, you buy your tag and come hunt. So walk me through the the building that we're in right now. You were trying to explain this to me, so I want to make sure I didn't hear the whole story yet. But uh, this is a big logging area. Yes. And this it's uh, it is almost like an old logging barrack type style where there's kind of hallways of multiple bedrooms and there's a hallway of bathrooms and there's a common area kind of like a almost cafeteria style that we're sitting in now yeah but um how long has this building been here when did you start to renovate this and, and turn it into what i'm seeing today so we've had the uh ground up here since the late 80s you know we've had the base sites up here and uh you know we always wanted our own own area but it's hard because uh you know most of this land up here is paper company land so there's not a lot of cabins or or uh you know, lodging availability up here inside the north. There's not Midwest. a lot of anything but woods and animals <laughs> up here. That is correct. And a lot of potholes. That's that's correct. And, uh, you know, this place was, was built in the late 80s. Um, it actually, at one point in time, housed over uh, 60 loggers. Um, you know, guys that worked in the woods, there was a full-time cook. And, uh, you know, their, their shifts were 12 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, and uh, I it took me, uh, you know, we worked, me and my wife Becky, we worked about, four years to try and acquire this place once we did it needed a lot of uh, a lot of work so we come in and completely remodeled the place to to what it is today so. yeah it looks uh, it's great in the the common area is really cool to sit down we've been watching hunting shows in the evenings or in the mornings before we go out walk um walk through an ideal day here right you get up we have breakfast. When do people go out and hunt? When do the sites get baited? And then we'll get into a little bit of kind of how you prepare the bait, how long you go out before and kind of what the frequency is. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, a, a common day up here is, uh, you know, breakfast is at seven o'clock. Um, you know, at that point in time, everybody gets breakfast. Uh, once everybody gets their share of breakfast, we'll go out and, uh, you know, take care of the bear that have been harvested the night before, um, get some good pictures and, get them in the freezer and the hide all prep for the taxidermist you know by about that time it's about lunch time and the hunters need to get their fill of food so they can have a good evening sit you know and uh, we typically recommend our hunters be in uh, in the stand between 1 30 and 2 o'clock um, and then sit till dark which is uh, you know depending on the week right around 7 30 yeah 7 30 and uh, all night tracking bears getting bears back here to the pole and uh there's always coffee on and there's plenty of food for everybody. So. There was um there was a couple of days that I went out really early and sat all day and and didn't see bears till like the last 45 minutes before before night. It seems like that's when most of these bears were taken and I think there was out of the 18 bears that were that were killed when I was here, I think only one of them was 
kind of before two o'clock it seems like yeah absolutely i mean the last hour is the most crucial when it comes to bear hunting that last hour before dark you know but uh you know do we kill bear at one o'clock in the afternoon absolutely but uh you know 90 percent of them are from the three o'clock on you know they're they're mostly a not not really a nocturnal animal but you know that they move right before dark is is when these bears which, move which makes it difficult because they are a dark animal in the dark especially with a bow when there's when you're already struggling in that last kind of 10 15 minutes and it's thick dark timber it is uh so i got here on sunday i drove from georgia i got here on sunday around noon one o'clock uh, and everyone was kind of arriving into camp. We we kind of settled up, made sure everyone had the had the correct tags and the correct licenses, uh, and really just kind of got settled in that night and got to know everybody. And then it's a five day hunt, yes. at least the one yep. that we're on right now. Yep, all of our hunts are five uh, days. Are your or, oh the the moose hunts the are moose, six days. The right. moose hunts are six so, days. So um, yep. Monday morning we went out with Jesse, the guide that we were with, and we went and saw the the bait site and the stands that we were each going to be in. Came back, ate lunch, and then went back on and hunted that afternoon. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of day one. And after that, it's it's kind of unique. Uh, I was surprised by this that the stand that I'm in and the bait site that I'm in has not been hunted by anyone else this season and will not be hunted by anyone else the rest of the season. You that guys, you guys run like 90 bait sites just at this camp. Yep. Just at this camp. Um, each week, you know, it doesn't matter which week you, you really come and hunt with us. Um, you know, each week we hunt new bait sites. So the bait site that we put you on, nobody's hunted that before you arrive and nobody hunts that after you leave. And how long does it take to prepare a bait site before? It takes, you know, we start early summer um, getting all these bait sites ready. You know, we get a lot of country to cover and ground to cover to, to get these ready. Um, you know, we, we set up all of our rifle stands so they're at most a 50-yard shot. You know, it's, it's so thick up here trying to get any further than that. You know, it's, it's nearly impossible. But So, uh, you know, our rifle shots are 40 to 50 yards and our bow shots we always set up 18 to 20 yards. Yeah, I think the two stands I was in, my first one was rated 18 yards and the second one was like 21. Well, like top pin club for, for a bow hunter. That's right. You know, we like them good good close stand so you guys, you know, the bow hunters and the rifle hunters can make a great ethical shot and, and put the bear down. Fast and quick. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. You know, we're, we're going down some of these two-track roads, these logging roads, uh, and then you get to your spot and you start to walk in. And then I get there and there's a big 55-gallon drum that's like steel sitting there. I'm like, who lugged this through the <laughs> woods to get all the way back in there? Yeah, it, it does take a lot of work to get these sites prepped and everything. But, uh, you know, we, we have all of our prep work done before we even put a stitch of bait in the woods. Um, you know, it just makes these bear a lot more or I should say a lot less weary, you know, once we start baiting, we're literally in baiting and right back out. So there's no, no other activity going when, on. At these what are you sites. legally allowed to start baiting? Cause you, there's regulations around that. That is correct. We can start baiting uh, 30 days prior to the season opening. Okay. So. And you guys are baiting most of the sites, at least every other day. And sometimes I know when I was here, my site got baited every day when I was there in the morning. Pretty that is much. correct. Yes. And what, what do you guys use for bait? I noticed there's a lot of different things there is we have our own mixture that we you know that we've produced over the years that works the best for for what we do um you know but it's mostly pastries yeah the bears seem to like that i know when i went in we went in to bait the first morning and that big drum was like thrown 15 feet we ended up chaining it back on we baited at 11 when i went back to the stand by two the bears had already torn it up and, and they were in there quite frequently it seems there, like there is no shortage of bears up here you know that's that's the great thing about it you know we like to you know have our hunters very successful and and 
you know, even if they don't harvest a bear, at least be able to have the opportunity to. So, so you do the first two weeks at the other camp. Yep. And where, you said that's in the Highlands? Yeah, that's in our Highlands region. So how we run our season is we always hunt the first two weeks in our Highlands region, and then we do the second two weeks um, in our West Branch. And bear season always starts in Maine the last Monday in August, you know, then runs in through September. Um, after we do the total four weeks of bait hunting between the two regions um at that point we start hound hunting for another four weeks yeah now do uh i don't know if you know the answer to this do do most states that have bear hunting also allow hound hunting or is that restricted it's very restricted i mean maine's one of the only states in the united states that you can still trap bear baiting i believe there's only there's only a handful of states that allow hunting over bait you know and uh you know, up up here, as you could see this week, it's so thick. I mean, spot and stalk is nearly impossible. It, it is impossible. There's no up way. Here. There's, no, There's way, no way. You know, and uh, you, you'll never sneak up on a bear up here in the woods. It's just, it's too thick. You know, it's the most productive. And, you know, uh, inland fisheries and wildlife up here of the state, you know, they, they have a quota of bear that they need harvested a year to keep the population in check. So they don't become a nuisance. And That is correct, yeah. yeah. They typically want about 4,000 bears harvested a year, and uh, you know, over the last several years, we've we've come in under that. So we haven't quite reached what they're looking to 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 harvest, but you know, we do our best up here at Foggy Mountain. And after uh, I want to, I'll go back in a minute to kind of the aging and how do you tell if a bear is a good sized bear? Because that's what I struggle with, never bear hunting. But um, from a harvest perspective, you guys pull out one of the teeth and you send it in, and they actually will age every bear that is harvested, and with Within 12 months or so, you'll find out the age of the bear you shot. Yes, that is correct. So it's mandatory for us to pull a tooth um, on every single bear that, that gets harvested. Um, and it's actually there when you pull, it's called the melt tooth. It's the tooth directly behind the canine. And uh, what they do is they take that tooth and cut it in half. And the, the bear teeth have rings in them similar to Like trees. a tree. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that's how they age the bear. That's interesting. So... Two seasons at the other camp, if someone is looking for kind of more of a private, smaller group that they just want to be, kind of be in their group of three to four people, that may be a better fit for them. Yep. This is great for me. You know, we, we started this podcast to really bring back that camaraderie of hunting and the campfire conversations. And we had all of that. We had a bonfire out by the, by the pole out there where the bears were hanging and when we were skinning. And, uh, and then you come in and you get to hang out and we're watching hunting shows in the living room and the camaraderie feel here is great. What's, uh, what's the ha- or what's the, the hound season like? So the hound season always takes place after the bait season. And is that um, here? Yep. Yep. Okay. We do it up here. Um, you know, that's a limited amount of hunters. You know, we only take, uh, uh, four hunters a week for that, you know, and, uh, we, our hounds are equipped with a GPS collars, So we're able to keep track of them once, uh, do they know, have to be, they don't have to be on lead. Nope, no, they don't okay. have to be on lead. Um, you know, that's the, the great part about up here is during our hound season, you can actually continue to bait and run your hounds off the bait, but you can't, you know, you can't hunt bears over the bait, right. essentially. But, but yeah, we're able to let them go. You know, we'll run a few cameras and, and see what we have for a bear there. And, um, you know, the great thing, same with bait too, you know, it gives you a good opportunity to judge the bear and see what it is. You know, if it's a salad cubs, by all means, you can, you pass and, you know, let them grow. That's something you can harvest in the future, you know? Yeah, that's great. And then, so at the same time you have, so you and your wife are both guides yep. and then you have three other guides that are here. Ken seems like he's been around a long time yep. Uh, yep. and it's uh, from what I read, knew Wayne and, and did all that. And then 
you got Hunter and Jesse who are both great. And these guys are hustling. They're working. Uh, they're trying to figure out what we're doing, where the bears are at. And it seemed like they're just, they love every minute of it too. Absolutely. You know, it's, you got to love it. You know, it's a lot of work, but, uh, you know, we have a great team here and, uh, we all work very well together and, you know, we're here to harvest bears and, and be successful. So that's what it's all about. So one of the things that I struggled with, I think anyone that, that is hunting a new species, you watch all these YouTube videos and you look at pictures, but even then when you're in a tree stand and a, and a bear comes in at 15 yards, I don't know if it's a big bear, if it's a little bear, they all look big, but the first bear that came in for me on day one, I, um, and I was hunting with my bow, it came in and as it was walking to the bait, I didn't want to draw back and, and take a shot because at, at the time I thought it was a small bear and then it gets up to the barrel and it was at a certain height. I'm like, okay, that's, that's actually a decent sized bear. And I drew back four different times on this bear and could never get a good shot specifically for a bow because your shots are more limited. You want to make sure it's quartering away, maybe just broadside, but I didn't get the shot. So walk me through for someone that's never bear hunted before. What's the best way to determine if this is a shooter bear, if it's a big bear, or if it's one that you shouldn't shoot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, bear the hardest animal in the woods to judge. I mean, there's no no doubt about that. You know, but some things to look for is uh, first look at their ears. You know, if their ears look huge on them, you know, I, I typically call them Mickey Mouse ears. If they look like they have Mickey Mouse ears, you know, that's a, a small, small bear. bear. Yeah. You know, if the bear comes in and his ears look really small, you know, that's that's a really good good bear you know you want to be be harvesting that bear um another thing to kind of look for is their demeanor too you know if a bear comes running in or trotting in acting all foolish you like, know, a, toddler in like a toddler in the living room yep um you know typically that's a that's a younger bear that uh, you know doesn't have his wits about him yet you know and a mature bear will will be very cautious when they come in it takes them a little while to to be confident and and uh come in and commit to that bait site before they'll actually come in and, and present a shot for a hunter. The other thing that Jesse and I were talking about as we went out there and he was rebating, I asked him like, Hey, where should the bear be on this barrel on this 55 gallon drum for me to know if it's good. And he kind of pointed out to say, look, if it's back, is it the top of the drum? Like that's a big bear. And that second line up is like, okay, that's, if it's just above that, like that's still a shooter, that's still a representative, it's a mature bear, but if it's below that, it's probably not. Yes, and that is correct. I mean, that's that's another way. I mean, and the, each bait site is different, you know. We do have 55-gallon drums at a lot of them, um, and we also have five-gallon pails that we hang. And, uh, you know, as you explained, you know, with a barrel, that's the best way to judge them. And, and when we hang the pails, we try to hang the pails so, you know, when we hang them up, we reach reach up above our head you know so the the bottom of the bucket would be about uh, nose height and if a bear comes in and can stand up and his head is above the bucket by all means that's a good shooter bear but if it you know it comes in and it's struggling to reach the bucket then that's a bear you want to pass i gotcha the other the other thing is um i think when you see a medium-sized bear and a small bear you're confused but yesterday i saw a big bear yeah and it's like he was waddling in because he was, he just had that big bear walk. Like he knew and, and had to move his arms around his body, even just or legs around his body just to yeah. move forward. So you can, I could tell that was a big bear right away. Yeah. They're very distinctive. I mean, when you, when you see one, you know, it's a good one. So we, uh, we had a pretty successful week here. I, I did not. Well, it was a success. I learned a lot. I had a lot of fun. Uh, spoiler alert, did not shoot a bear. Saw a couple bears, had some chances, but they never presented with what I thought was going to be a good shot. So, you know, passed on one, drew back four times, never ended up sending the arrow. Took the, took the gun out the last two days, which was my whole intent, right, was to 
bow hunt the first three days if i didn't have success bring out the gun because as much as i wanted to shoot a bear with a bow i wanted to take a bear home in general right right we had i think 18 of 25 people ended up getting a bear uh, which is pretty good in, in a five-day week, it seems yeah, like to absolutely. me. Yeah, it was a good week this week. We, uh, you know, we had a lot of hunters passing, you know, small bear. And, uh, you know, we see a lot of big bears this week. They just didn't present a shot for our hunters, too. But uh, there was a lot of activity. Um, we really only had one, you know, crappy day, I would call it, where it was, you know, rain and wind. But uh, but other than that, it was a great week. A lot of bear activity, a lot of bears hanging on the pole. And, and, and it got colder the last couple of days, which it seemed has. to really help. It has, for sure. The other, um, back to some of the bears that are shooters and non-shooters, Jesse and Ken were talking outside, and I was just happened to be eavesdropping a bit as they were talking to somebody else, and someone was asking, well, how do you determine if this is a sow, if the cubs aren't right there? And they had mentioned that, um, that, that, that the nipples will actually not have hair on them if yes. they're still feeding and if the cubs are there. That's how, if you see that on a sow, to not shoot a bear like that. Yeah, that's what we call a wet sow. Okay. Um, you know, and typically typically the sows will send their cubs in first. Um, you know, so usually if you see, you know, one, you know, a couple bears come in, two, three, sometimes even four, you know, bear come in together. Those are typically cubs. Um, and and she'll, she'll be right there with them, but she'll be just out of sight checking the area making, making sure, sure it's, it's good it's good but she'll always send them in first okay that's that's interesting like the the kids are trying everything out there so i'm gonna walk i'm gonna kind of walk the listeners through that experience so if you get a bear you bring it in it goes up on the pole kind of like the old buck pole style right yep take some pictures everybody goes outside and some people are smoking cigars or maybe having a beer sitting by the campfire and I think the first night there were six on the pole. The second night there were six on the pole. Uh, and it was just a cool experience. You field dress them and gut them all right there. Yep. And then take a few pictures. The next morning after breakfast, you got a, you got a kind of a log station out there where people can take more, the, the typical bear over a log photo. That's right. Yeah. We, you know, we try to get some really good pictures. You know, it's, for a lot of people, it's once-in-a-lifetime experience, and we want to capture that moment for yeah, them. You, you know? say that until you come once, and then I want then it to be like a <laughs> once-a-year thing. <laughs> yeah, then you get the bear bug is what yeah. we call that. Yeah. So, and then after that, you skin it, you quarter it. So yep. for, those that, um, for those that are traveling in, they need to bring a couple coolers with them. But yep. the, the hide is essentially ready to be go right to the taxidermist. Yes, yep. So the when I get done with them, the hide is all ready for the taxidermist. Um, and as far as the meat goes, we can do a couple different things, you know, with, with hunters coming in from all over. Some people drive up, some people fly up, um, you know, and I can either quarter it up or we do have a processor that we work with. So uh, if you want to take it to the processor, you can run it, get it down there, and uh, they'll cut it into steaks, burger, sausage, roast, whatever you want but most But most of the guys are... They're quartering back straps, inner loins that goes in, in the the bags, the, the plastic bags that you yep, have. They the put them bags. in their cooler and, yep. and they take them home and they can use it that way. Yes. Yep. That is correct. And all of that is included in the price. It so is. When, yep. I, when I think about going, I'm going to Kansas later this year, right? They do nothing with it, right? right. They'll, they'll help us get it back to camp. But at that point, we got to find a taxidermist or we have to process it or we have to make sure it's caped out. And uh, it's a little bit different. So all that's included, the skinning, the, the taxidermy prep to get it so you can take it somewhere. And then also all the quartering of the meat is, is ready to yes. go. Yes. Yep. Yep. We do all that. And, uh, you know, we do have uh, taxidermists up here that we work with that we can recommend if people are interested in leaving their, their hide here to have uh, 
have taxidermy work done, we can do that. Or, you know, if a lot of people take it home with them too, if they get a good reputable taxidermist at home, they can they can go that route too. But you know, when we're done with it, the hides all prep for the taxidermist, whether they want to do a rug, a half mount, full mount, whatever they want, whatever they want done. If someone is flying in to get the meat back, they you they go down to the processor, drop it off. Do they typically then freight it back to them and ship it over? So mo- the processors up here don't ship the meat. Okay. Um, the easiest way to do that is uh, there's actually a UPS store not far from the airport. Okay. Um, and the best way to and cheapest way to get it home is just to UPS it overnight. I mean that that you know you the UPS store will box it right up, put it in a freezer box, and ship it right to your door. Okay. What's, um, from a meat perspective, right? If you're, if you're cooking up bear, what is, what is your favorite cut of meat? How do you prepare it? What does that look like? Yeah. So my favorite cut of bear is the bear roast. I mean, you can't beat a bear roast and some baked beans with some maple syrup and brown sugar. I mean, that's, that's like in a crock pot style. In a crock pot style. Yep. That's, that's my favorite way to to eat bear. You know, the tenderloins cut up into steaks are great. Um, you know, the, the sausage is great. The burger is great. You know, Bear gets a bad rap a lot of times. They say, oh, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, bear's gross. Well, it's not. You know, it has to be cooked, right? You know, you don't want to let it simmer in a frying pan and in, in the grease because it, it is a little greasy. But, uh, but you, you know, one thing with bear, you do have to cook it, you know, very well due to bears can carry trigonosis. So you want to make sure it's cooked very well. But, yeah, bear is a great cut of meat. I mean, you hear people say the same thing about venison or anything else, and, uh, they talk about, you know, venison being gamey. Well, if they don't cut all the silver skin off and there's a bunch of tendons and ligaments, it's going to make it more gamey. And when you were processing this out here, uh, a guy had asked, oh, should I make sure all this fat is trimmed off? And you'd said, yeah, you want to get as much of that off as possible. The outer fat between the between the quarters in the hide. Yeah. Because if that's ground into the burger, that's probably going to make it more gamey. Exactly. Well. Yep. 100%. And, and when we're quartering them off and stuff like that, you know, we try to take as much of that off for everybody as that we can, you know, that we can. Okay, that's good. That's good. So after bear season's done, you have, uh, or I guess when you're in hound season, yep. there's, um, you guys do some moose hunting as well, mostly bear, yep. but um, I was, you and I were talking about this the other day, and Maine is on like a lottery type of moose hunt. It is, yep. We do, uh, we do moose hunts also, but it is a lottery, lottery system up here, so you would have to uh, apply for the lottery. Um, and Which I think is by May 15th yes, is when yep, they said it was. that is correct. And there's certain um, – how you apply for that is by – they call them WMDs, Wildlife Management Districts. And, uh, you know, we, we hunt WMD 8, uh, WMD 4, and WMD 9 is the, the three major zones that we hunt. You know, and uh, there's some really nice bulls up here. And and uh, if if nobody's ever been moose hunting, you know, I kind of relate it to turkey hunting. Um, you know, moose are very vocal during the rut, and you can uh, you can call them in. So that's great. So it's um for moose. You were you were explaining to me that it's it's almost easier for non-residents sometimes to get tags because non-residents can buy additional preference points. Correct. And let's say you buy eight preference points this year, you don't get drawn. You buy eight next year. At that point, in like the 50-50 raffle bucket type thing, you have 16 points in there. It just continues to accumulate. That is correct. Yep. And, uh, you know, us residents, when we apply, we only get one preference point a year. You know, a lot of people, I know, I know people that have put in their first year and got a moose tag. So, you know, one thing I tell How everybody. How many times have you been drawn? I have been drawn twice. But you said your wife's been putting in her entire life and hasn't been drawn once. That is correct. Yep. Yep. You know, it's, it's once in a lifetime hunt for sure. I mean, we have some really nice bulls up here. You know, 
50 inch class bulls 800 to a thousand pounds and uh and there's no i'm there's no shortage of moose up here i mean every night when uh when our bear hunters were coming back you know there was moose everywhere we saw one on the road monday driving out yeah uh, a cow right at, right in the middle of the road we had to stop she didn't want to cross but yeah there was one guy that was saying he got out of his got out of the blind uh and he went to go get out and you know 80 yards away there's a, there's a big bull big bull moose there I yeah think he was a little startled when it happened <laughs> yeah and this time of year too um you know we're about two weeks away from the rut so you know a lot of our our bear hunters in the woods are hearing these cows start to beller and the bulls start to grunt so okay and it can be pretty intimidating if you get one of them bulls fairly close and he starts raking the the trees and stuff you know oh i bet what's um what's a typical caliber that people will use for a moose hunt you know, really anything that will uh, will take a deer down will take a moose down. Really? You know, it's it's more shot placement, like no, you know, like anything else. But uh, you know, thirty odd six, three hundred, you know, forty five seventy, anything like that will work okay. well for a moose. See, I'm in, I'm living in Georgia, so some of the stuff people use for deer down there, you're probably not going to want to shoot with a, <laughs> with a moose up here. Yeah, yeah, no, three oh eight, you know, thirty odd six, any really anything thirty caliber works well on the moose. So. Okay. Okay. And then for bear, I mean, there's a wide, there's a wide array of weapons that people are using here. Obviously you can bring a bow. If you use a crossbow, I think there's an additional license or yep. permit you'd you have, have to, to buy. Grab the, you know, you'd have to get your crossbow um, license or no different than your archery tag. You know, if you're hunting with a regular traditional bow, you're, you need, uh, you know, just your archery tag and you can hunt with a muzzleloader. You can hunt with a pistol. You can really, you know, you, the options are endless up here. Yeah. One, I think one guy shot it with a 50 cal muzzleloader. Uh, we had somebody with like a 450 straight wall cartridge and quite a few 30 out sixes, quite a few 300s. Yep. It seems like any of those kind of traditional North American game rifles will, will get the job done. Yeah, here. absolutely. They sure will. You know, especially with a good shot placement, you know, and right. You know, we, we tell all of our hunters on these bear, you know, shoot them right in the front shoulder, you know, and uh, if you can break them down like that, you know, they're not, they're not going to go far, if anywhere at all. I think most of the people that put the shot where you told them to, the bear didn't leave the bait site. It, they correct. dropped. They dropped right there, which yeah. is it's honestly tough because if it's, you know, when it's seven fifteen, ten minutes before shooting lights over, in the deep timber, it's so thick, it's it's dark in there. It is, uh, and, and not only that, but with these bear, they have a lot of fat on them. So you know, when you when you harvest a bear, you know, a lot of times that bull will go through and through. But uh, with as much fat as they have on them, it doesn't take long for them to, you know, make a few jumps in the, you know, it might be a great shot and they're just filling up internally with, with blood, but it's not leaving anything for us to track. So, you know, they're, they're a tough animal for sure. What's, what's the reason after you, after you harvest a bear, you put the transportation tag on it, you put it in your truck. I, no, I noticed, and Jesse said this, that if you get a bear, you have to leave the tailgate down. And we're, I mean, some of these bait sites, they're, they're a bit of a drive and it's a, you know, it's a backwoods, bumpy road, right? As you would expect, you know, when you're in bear country, there's a reason the bear are there because it's remote. But uh, what's the reason that we, you have to keep the tailgate down as you're driving? So it's just a state law. So we, once the bear is harvested, we have to put a transportation tag on it. And what that does is it makes the bear legal, saying it's yours from the bait site to, uh, you know, till we get it back here. And I'm, you know, thankfully I'm a um, licensed tagging agent for the state of maine so i'm able to tag the bear here but if somebody goes to let's say an outfitter that isn't that usually i've heard that you have to drive a bear into town which may be an hour and a half away and they have to tag it there and you have to get everyone checked but you can do that here on site yes yes i can um but yeah typically you know any any animal here in the state of maine has to be tagged um with a seal and uh, that seal number certifies you know it goes along with your name and moses number that that you've uh, tagged the bear and it's yours and that makes it legal. So there's a full body mount in the living room of the lodge that 
that looks incredible. Tell me about that hunt because that wasn't your kill. Nope, it wasn't mine. It was uh, my daughter's actually. She was uh, she, she would have been she was nine years old when she shot that, and that was uh, about a two hundred seventy five pound boar. Um, yeah, and uh, we she actually harvested that over hounds. But, uh, but yeah, that was a uh, at nine. At nine. And what did she shoot that with? She shot that with a three fifty legend. Okay. Yep. You know what? That that made me a believer on the three fifties. That she's she's harvested. Uh, that bear, she's harvested uh, quite a few deer with it, and uh, it, it does a really nice job. So where I'm from in Michigan originally, uh, growing up, it's it's below, it's in the lower half of the lower peninsula, and you can either, for deer, you can hunt with a muzzleloader or a shotgun, and that's all it was forever. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago that they they legalized straight wall cartridges. So I got a 450, but then the next year my buddy bought a 350, uh, and he bought it specifically because... It shoots flat. You can shoot long distance. It'll still take down these animals, but he wanted his son to be able to use it as well because it doesn't have as much recoil as some of these other guns. Yeah, no, that 350 is a great caliber for for kids especially. I mean, it, it has very, very little recoil. Um, you know, it hits hard, and it really, I mean, it really works very well on the big game up here in the state of Maine. Yeah, what's, um, if someone is on the fence, like, oh, you know, I've always wanted to go bear hunting, but I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. Why, why should they come here? Why should they come to Maine in general? And why should they choose Foggy Mountain? I'll let you go first, and then I'll explain my answer to that. Well, you know, Maine has one of the highest bear populations in the United States, you know, and uh, getting hunters, you know, especially if they've never harvested a bear, you know, being, getting on a good, successful hunt is, is crucial, you know. And, uh, you know, the over-the-tag, over uh, or I should say over-the-counter license or in tag, you know, that's huge. Most of the other states, you know, is a draw system. And, you know, even Michigan, for instance, I mean, we get quite a few hunters out of Michigan just because it's so hard for them to, to get a get drawn for a bear tag, you know. So that's a great thing. You know, you decide you want to go bear hunting, you call and book, and you buy the tag, and you're bear hunting. Yeah, and why why Foggy Mountain? Well, you know, Foggy Mountain has been in business since 1964. You know, Wayne Boswick was the one who started it all. He sounds and like the OG of Maine bear hunting. He is, you know, and he, I mean, he's, they called him the dean of black bear hunting for a reason. The The success of, of Foggy Mountain has been there from the beginning and, and, uh, you know, we produce bears, so. That was humble. I'll give you, I'll give you my answer. So I, I booked this about a year ago or so, didn't, didn't really know what I was looking for. But anytime I had a question in between, if I called and you were out doing bait or, or working on the lodge, within a couple hours, you called me back, answered the questions. It never felt like it was an inconvenience. You send all the paperwork in the mail early on so people know, hey, here's a good shot. Here's what we do. Here's what you can expect. Here's the directions. Here's all these different things. I felt like there wasn't a lot of unanswered questions. Whereas, like I'm going to Kansas and... I've got nothing from the guy that we're going with and it makes me worry like does he even know we're coming on this date or these things so I appreciate the customer service aspect that's went into it obviously there's been a lot of bears hit the ground there's been a lot of bears on the pole and the whole camp and uh, I think it says a lot about the people that you surround yourself with they're all extremely knowledgeable they've been fun we're all razzing each other like we're old buddies you know and uh, even the people that are in camp the hunters it was just a great group of people and the way this camp is set up to be around the fire, to be in the living room, eating dinner together, getting to know a lot of people. It was just a great experience from that perspective. I have to try to convince my wife that I, how do I, how do I make this an annual trip and come back again next year? Absolutely. You know, and, and the big thing, how we look at it as is this hunt or any hunt is an investment. 
you know, we, we really don't want to leave any any question unanswered. Um, you know, we have a pile of information on our website, and, uh, you know, we send out our packets. So, you know, if anybody does have any questions early on, by all means, call, and, and uh, we'll get them answered for you. How can people find you? So we have a Facebook page. We have a website, foggymountain.com. You know, our, our phone number is on there. 207-564-3404. You know, and the phone's always on, and we're willing to answer any questions anybody has. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, if people are looking into a hunt for next year, there's still spots open. Yep, there is uh, at both the camps. And obviously, the ha- the hound hunts probably fill up faster. They do. If you're put in for a moose and you get drawn, they need to call pretty much right away yeah. because there's there's not a lot of moose spots specifically there's not you know not only is there not a lot of moose spots but the lodging up in this area is far and few between i mean we're we're uh, 26 miles from hot top where we are here you know unless you want to pop a tent somewhere you know there's there's <laughs> well i experienced this because i drove in it was saturday and I was about three hours from camp, and I was getting ready to stop. It was like 10.30, maybe 11 o'clock. And I start to look on my phone. I'd already driven past all of the hotels. Everything else was closed, and everything was booked up in Moosehead. So I ended up getting to uh, the trading post where you buy your tags. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I'm not going to drive back three hours. So it was 1 o'clock. I ended up sleeping in the back of the truck until the shop opened at like 8. Um, because there's, there's not a lot to be able to do that. So if you're looking, if you're looking to do that go with someone that knows the woods. I mean, these guys, I hear Honey and Hunter and Jesse every day talking about like, hey, here's the moose, here's where we're scouting. At the same time, because you're seeing them on the road, you're seeing them in the stands, you're getting them on camera. That's got to be a really, really cool experience. It is. You know, we're in the woods every single day, and, you know, we keep an eye on everything, you know, not just the bear, but the moose and, and stuff too. So our knowledge of the woods is is uh, pretty good for our area, and, and uh, you know, when it's time to, to harvest something, we know where to go. Uh, I skipped one thing earlier. If people are some of the most important things when it comes to bear hunting, right, that, that the hunter can control. Obviously, you guys are, are killing it when it comes to the bait, the preparation, the stand placement, the locations, the scouting. Uh, all, most of that is taken care of. But there are a few things specifically that the hunter has to do. Number one, and probably the most important, is the scent control aspect of it. I think being still and being patient and then making sure you put a good shot on an animal. I mean, that's, but the talk about the scent control piece that plays a huge factor. I think all the stands are set up for the prevailing winds. Yep. So that's, you know, that's always in a good location. But uh, scent control is a big deal. Scent control is huge. I mean, bears live by their nose. I mean, their, their nose is even better than a whitetail's, um, you know. So you cannot be too cautious with your scent. You know, we give all of our hunters a uh, cover scent that all the sites. What is that, by the way? Oh, it's just a concoction that we've come up with, you know, and, and uh, it works really well. You know, it helps cover the scent. It's familiar It's pungent. Smell. It, it is. stings the nostrils. It is. You know, but, uh, you know, we, we uh, precondition the bait sites with it. And, and uh, you know, it, any, any human odor that, may, you know, you may have missed, it, it helps cover it up and, and it, uh, it works. So everybody's washing, washing their clothes, hopefully in no sense. Uh, hopefully they are, you know, spraying down, they're showering and with all the shampoos and all the soaps and then the cover scent that you guys provide. And then obviously always just making sure that you're, you're taking care of all of that to be ready to go into the woods. And then you talked about shot placement a little bit earlier, but I think what, what surprised me, and I told you, I drew back four times on that first bear. They don't sit still and they don't stop and they're 
laying on all fours. You know, this one had its butt towards me. It had its head towards me. They don't move. So if you're bow hunting, you, I was at full draw for, I don't know, a minute and a half at one point, And I had to let down because the bear wasn't moving. I was just waiting for it to quarter away or turn. It's difficult because they don't, they're not following a traditional path like a whitetail might. They're not going to stop. Right, you can't map yeah, them no. like they're they're all they're constantly the moving in yeah. the barrel, out of the barrel, reaching up, reaching down, standing up. Yeah, I mean, with our rifle shots, you know, you really want to, you know, we tell all of our hunters right through the front shoulders, you know, middle of the body, front shoulders, and it's if it don't drop them right there, they aren't going to go far, you know. And with the shooting with a bow or crossbow, you really, ideally, the quarter and away shot would be the best. You know, broadside will work if you tuck it right in close to that leg. You know, but a lot of people, and it's it's all over the place, you know, they say shoot middle of the middle. Well, you know, that's a big margin for error when you shoot middle of the middle. You know, their their uh, vitals are tucked up a lot closer to their front shoulder than, than what a lot of people often think. And, uh, so, you know, when you shoot middle of the middle, you're really just clipping maybe the, the back half. It's going to make for a long night because it unlike is. a whitetail, if you gut shot a whitetail, if you don't bump it, it's likely going to bed down a couple hundred yards, and you're going to find it the next day in that bed. That is uh, but from, from what I've heard from everybody, if you do that on a bear, they don't stop they until just, they die. That's correct. They're not they going to bed down and nope, wait. Nope, they just go, you know. You know, we've tracked bears before miles, you know, and they just, they do not stop until they have no more gas left in them, you know. So it's, that's what's so crucial when bear hunting is to, to get a good shot placement on these bear to uh you know for a quick quick kill so. which is which is hard in the it in is. the dark timber when they usually come out you know the last hour of light yeah now a lot of a lot of bears were killed here you know four o'clock five o'clock but i feel like most people it was that last hour of light. yep yep i mean the last hour is the most crucial i mean that's really when you want to really pay attention keep your movement to a minimum and and uh and be ready, you know, that's, that's a big thing, you know, be ready, you know, and when we call them the black ghosts of the woods up here, because you'll never hear them coming, you know, you'll just, I don't, I don't understand how a 250, 300 pound animal, that big bear that I saw, I didn't, I didn't hear him at all, got within 60 yards, as big as they are, like, how are they that quiet, is it because the, the paws and the fur that they have, like, you hear a white tail coming through the woods, you hear leaves crunching the whole way, yeah, I mean, they got the soft pads on the bottom of the feet, and and I don't know if you notice on the game pole when they're hanging, a lot of them have a lot of fur in between their toes, too, you know. So that really, you know, dampens the sound when they're walking over sticks Plus and stuff. Plus, all the ground is wet. It is. It's wet, mossy, you know, very few leaves. So, I mean, they can slip in and slip out just as Both, both the two that I saw, they snuck up on me. It's so thick, you can't see them coming. And so they're pretty much at the bait site. And as soon as they leave the bait site, they're gone. Yeah. You, you, yep. just, you can't see them coming. No, no. And that's, that's the reason we call them the black ghost. Because yeah, if someone's playing solitaire on their phone, they're going to miss some bears. <laughs> yep, they sure will. So we've, uh, we've asked every guest this so far. If you could have any wild game meat, like if you were preparing a wild game extravaganza, what would it be and where would it be? That's a, I mean, it would definitely be up here in the great state of Maine. And, you know, bears, bears the go-to. I mean, bears. Your freezer's always full of bear, isn't it? It is. It sure is. You know, there's no shortage of bear up here. And, you know, it's a great, uh, that's why we do it. I, would, I half thought you might say mountain lion because your, your wife, you guys went on a mountain lion hunt out west. Yep, we did. Uh, and I've heard, I've never had mountain lion, but I've heard the meat is incredible. For it you. is. It, mountain lion is very good. It's uh 
it's very similar to the color of pork and, and tastes a lot like pork, but uh, I think bear is still my, my favorite. Yeah, I, I, I kind of expected <clears throat> you to say that. I mean, it's, uh, it's probably what you grew up on. It is, right? it is, yep, for sure. Uh, we had a guy, uh, he shot a, a deer in Tennessee on a velvet hunt, and his answer was, he was thinking back to the old hunting camps that he had with his, with his dad and all of his, his friends, and he said, squirrel? frog legs because they used to go frogging and then he said pig brains and scrambled eggs <laughs> and uh, i think i could ask that question a hundred times and i don't know that anyone will ever beat that answer i don't think anybody will <laughs> uh, i think what holden and i are going to do is uh, at the end of the first like 50 episodes we're going to compile all of that and maybe do a poll of the listeners and have them vote on the top five and we're going to have to like record us eating them or, or doing all that gonna have to do something yeah although i don't Pig brains and scrambled eggs. I don't even know where to get pig brains. He said you used to be able to get it at, like, the grocery store, like, in a can. But uh, I've never seen any of them up here in no, Maine. <laughs> yeah, me either. Me either. So this was, this was a great experience. Thanks for having us. I know yeah, my no father-in-law problem. and I and my brother-in-law had a great time. We met some friendships that are going to last forever, and hopefully we'll be back soon. Yeah, is, we'd is love to goal. have you guys back anytime. And uh, if people are looking to go, to go on a bear hunt... We'll put all this in, in the description, links to the webpage. But Foggy Mountain's been great. They've been incredible for us. And uh, I was just glad to be here, and thanks for having us. Hey, thanks for, for uh, coming on up and enjoying the great state of Maine. Yeah, hopefully I'll uh, see you next year. Sounds thanks, good. Brandon. No problem. Thank you.